We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Not to correct you, Mr. Kelly, but it was 907.21 seconds. Come on, dude. <laughs> yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline, and thanks for being there. I'll be giving the tip of the trowel shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You can get in line with your questions, concerns, or comments. Again, thanks for having me on your show. If you were not there, I certainly would not be here. We can talk about plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds. Uh, annuals. I haven't seen the annuals a little bit early, I know, uh, in the garden centers, which would be pansies for the most part. There's a few other ones, but the pansies are the one that historically we always think of in the springtime. The bulbs. How about your bulbs? Have you been out to take a look at your spring flowering bulbs? Are they coming up through the surface mulch or whatever you happen to have them in? Um, and bulbs. Garden centers may start to be, ha- or they'll start having bulbs, summer bulbs, like cannas and elephant ears and things like that. Right now, what they're going to have, they're going to have uh, asparagus roots, and they're going to have rhubarb as well. Uh, other edibles, starting seed. If you want to start some seed from vegetable plants or annuals type things, this is the time of year, the time of year you want to do it. How's your ground cover doing? Uh, a lot of the broadleaf you know, ground covers like periwinkle, it looks pretty good because it hovers really close to the ground. But I've seen some burn on several different types of uh, ground covering types, euonymus. I've seen it also on some ivies and things like that. It's tip burn and things like that. It shouldn't affect the plants entirely. So it's just kind of like a, a winter burn on your skin or something along that line. Or it's like sunburn, only it's, you know, the plant material, it's during the wintertime. And uh, plant your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, your trees, your shrubs, your vines, or your water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, or opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but just for you to consider. Greg is producing again today. Greg's got a bad cold or something, so he's spreading the germs all over the place. I'm already starting to sneeze. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate that. But during the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk, where I come to your home and I address all the questions that you may have. I take a look around for other things that you may not have thought of and I try to make it so your landscape can be a little bit more aesthetic you know, for you, a little, solve some of the problems or whatever it happens to be. You can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com, the homepage, my email address, which I recommend that over calling me. Again, there's a gentleman from Redbud, Illinois, that we have been playing ping pong phone-wise for quite a while. And uh, we can schedule a walk and talk, and I'll come over to your home and uh, share my experience in the great outdoors. And now a special recognition for individual groups or, or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Uh, the tip of the trial today goes out to actually three people here on staff at the intercom 
radio stations, Cody Grissom, Valerie Buckley, and Jacob Masick. These are, one of them's a salesperson, others are back behind the scenes people. They keep everything flowing. You don't know how complicated this is. I can come and I can throw adjectives all over the place, but there's a lot of different work that goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, you always, I always mention Greg because he's in here producing. But these other three people, they're doing things that you ne- they probably never even get mentioned. Now, I hope uh, the FCC or something doesn't get on me for mentioning their names. But anyway, they've really made it you know, easier for me in lots of different kinds of circumstances. Other tip of the, you know, a tip of the trial also goes out to the Richmond Heights Garden Club, the Rose Society of Greater St. Louis, the St. Charles County Rose Society, the St. Louis Evening Herbalist, the St. Louis Horticultural Society, the St. Louis Water Garden Society. Now, you say, well, how? that's great you mentioned these things. What you can do is go to the university, not the university, Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot, M-O-B-O-T dot org, and they will list all the plant societies that happen to be in this region. And there are a lot. So if you got any kind of interest in plant material at all, and maybe you don't even know if you do, but you, you saw something and you're just curious about it, you can attend a meeting and you may end up going every month. You may end up just going to this one once and then going to a different one. But you talk about a knowledgeable group. The people at these plant societies they are extremely knowledgeable, whether it's about daylilies, whether it's about herbs, whether it's about any kind of roses. It's just amazing. So consider going to a garden club and plant society. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We will be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, back to the phones. We're headed 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You go out in your yard and you see some broadleaf weed, that just means something that doesn't look like a skinny little weed, like uh, grass, skinny blade, I should say. Uh, and you see these little things, probably the size of erasers or so, and a lot of them got you know burnt by the cold. That's chickweed. But these plants, these are annual weeds, and guess what? They can get burnt on the foliage and everything else, but they're going to start flowering when the weather starts you know, changing a little bit, and they're going to drop a lot of seeds. So this is something you got to be conscious of, even though you think, oh, good. You know, they look at that. Those weeds, they got burnt, so they're probably not going to come back. Don't fool yourself. Let's go out to West County and see what's going on in John's yard. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. I want to say thanks for a really interesting and very informative program. Well, thank you. I have you. two questions for you. Sure. One, a friend of mine gave me some compost that had periwinkle or vinca in it. Uh, I put it in several different places in my yard about five or seven years ago, and it's an extremely invasive plant. I've tried to control it with a lawnmower. I've tried to control it with glyphosate. I've had uh, grandchildren come out and spade the area. Nothing controls vinca, and it continues to spread. How can I control it? That's Basically. question number one. Question number two I enjoy growing Phalaenopsis and Cattleya orchids. Uh, I'd love to try some bidiums. What kind of uh, hints would you give to me in being successful in growing some orchids? Uh, basically, it's pretty much the same kind of care. 
I mean, the orchids are even the ones that are, you know, let's say grown in bar, you know, in bark versus ones that are grown in soil. They're all pretty much universal as far as the care goes. Right. I hang my Phalaenopsis and, and Cattleya in a shaded area uh, from tree limbs or whatever. Right. That's not the way I handle cymbidiums, is it? No. You don't really, you don't need to do that. They're going to be more or less a potted plant. So you don't, yeah, I mean, so the cymbidiums are just, I mean, they're still of the same genre, but uh, you can just leave them and sort of mix them in with other plants to keep the humidity, you know, high. So leave them in that pot and, you know, Again, with any of them, though, just don't put them out in direct sunlight because they're going to get sunburned. Right, right. How about the vinca? Vinca, uh, with you know, it's a broadleaf evergreen, and it's—I mean, it is invasive. That's why it's sold as a ground cover. If you've got specific spots where, if somebody can go out there, I don't know how invasive it is or how much that you have. But it, usually it's not going to, you know, what you're going to have to do is pry it up out through the lawn or whatever it's growing in and crush the leaves and then paint Roundup right onto it. I know you said you've used Roundup before, but you've got to, you know, open up some wounds, like, you know, stomp That's on it. That's what I thought the lawnmower would do. I, I, I cut it with a lawnmower and then I applied glyphosate and that doesn't control it. No, but Maybe you're, I'm applying it the wrong time of the year. I'm doing it in the spring. Yeah, it's the, too. The plant it's, is growing. The, you know, the periwinkle is too flat. I don't think your mower is doing a thing. If you have your mower low, low enough to wound the vinca, then you're going to scalp everything else that's in that area. I've got beds of, of periwinkle. They're, you know, 20 feet long and 6 feet wide. And so basically, you get the kids out there to stomp on them. You know, if you've got golf shoes with spikes or anything like that, and as soon as you make the wounds, that's when you've got to put the, you know, the roundup on, basically on them. Thanks very much. Yep. And, I mean, it's going to be a tough, you know, if you've got this much of it, that's, uh, it's going to be a lot of work. There's no getting around it. And, again, nothing's going to happen in one year. That's why I keep saying this is a marathon that goes on and on and on and on. So you can dig it as well. So digging it with, like, a digging fork versus a shovel, you can probably pry it up and get it, you know, get rid of it, some of it that way. So now let's go to Chesterfield, uh, very close to West St. Louis County, and that's where Mary lives. Hi, Mary. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Um, I started to have this message for Brian Kelly. He said something that you can't grow um, flowers in the snow. You might remind him about snowdrops, you know, the galanthus <laughs> bulbs. Sure. Because mine are blooming. They've been blooming for some time. Wow. So you might want to mention that. Now, I do have a problem. Well, there's another plant, too, oh. the Helleborus, the Lenten oh, yes. Rose. Right. They, I mean, and no, I mean, so they're great. Yes, they are, and they come in so many new, pretty colors. Right. My question, my problem is, I love rhubarb. I cannot grow it. I've tried off and on. Please give me some good advice. <laughs> well, probably what you're gonna you're gonna buy a bare root. It's gonna be at the garden center. I would, for the first couple of years, grow it in pots until it really gets fully established. And then you know, it may take a couple of years. You know, put it in like a, a three or a five gallon pot with potting mix for starting plants. Grow it in there. You know, put it in the sun. Fertilize it as you routinely would if it was in the ground. And then after a couple of years, then move it into a garden space. Okay, I did have some in a. I tried the pot. 
However, um, I had to go someplace for, and I didn't keep it watered. Well, <laughs> I'm going to try again. It's, Thank you. Thank you so much. Have yeah. a good day. Bye. You do the very same thing. Yeah, it's not an easy one to grow. We all think it is. I mean, you get this chunk of the root, and you'll start to see the leaves come up, and you think, "All right." But then, you know, for a long period of time, it's going to take, I think it's probably any place between three and seven years before the stalks are going to get big enough to actually, and enough stalks to really create anything. But in the pot, grow it in the pot, and then get it into garden space where the garden space has been highly, let's say, uh, changed structurally and everything else with compost. So in other words, it has to be organically rich soil. That's going to be the best thing for your rhubarb. And now let's go to Penelope, and Penelope lives in Baldwin. Hi, Penelope. Hi, Mike. Hey, thanks for taking my call, sure. and I love your show. Um, I have a mushroom situation in my front lawn. It's like they're ugly. They're not the cute little white mushrooms. These are like brown, curly, and they're everywhere. But it's only like... Spring, summer, um, it's the weirdest thing. Like, right now, they're, they're not around. Right. But, I mean, like, they have spread throughout the whole front, front yard. My guess is that you've had a tree, tree removed, or you've got some trees in your yard. Is that the case or not? We, I do. I have a beautiful red bud in the front. Yeah, but that's, that shouldn't be enough. Basically, the, the type of mushrooms that you're describing are ones that kind of grow off dead root systems of usually trees, or have you had your lawn dethatched? No. Uh-uh. So it, they can grow off the, you know, off the root systems, dead root systems of your tree. I but, do have some roots that are kind of showing, right. the lawn, you know, so maybe that's what it is. And, you know, and the thatch. So get your lawn dethatched as well. Okay. And okay. so they, all that stuff just grows on dead plant material. And, well, and mushrooms. Any research I do, it says, oh, it's good. It's good that you have mushrooms in your lawn. And I'm like, they're <laughs> <Really>? so ugly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good one. I never heard of. But, I mean, there's nothing really. What you can do, you can kick them and do all this other stuff. But, I oh, mean, I it's actually. Like, I, I can pick a bucket of them. Um, right. But I, basically, I mean, it's growing off something. So it's something below the surface. You could dig down whenever they start coming up, dig down and just see where they're actually, I mean, do it gently okay. so you don't knock them off and find out exactly what they're growing on. Okay, but dethatching the lawn would help. Yes, because okay. you're getting rid of thatch is just old dead plant material, and that's what these, these characters grow on. Okay, okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Sure. And thanks to Penelope and uh, Penelope. Oops, looks like somebody else has just dropped. So thanks, Penelope. But uh, other things this time of year that you need to be watching out for from a weed standpoint. You just heard me talking about the chickweed and everything else. If you do have questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The cool season weeds. Now, this can be problematic if you've had a whole lot of cool season weeds in your lawn You've got to go after them like in August. But that means during that time, you cannot put grass seed out. So you've got to decide what's most important. Do you want to get rid of these weeds, the cool season weeds, which include henbit, dead nettle, the chickweed, as I said before, the annual bluegrass, the prickly lettuce, the Persian speedwell, so it's a type of veronica, 
rabbit's foot clover, shepherd's purse, those are the main ones that I see when I'm looking just around in general, whether I'm just walking through a park or anything else. They're rampant. I mean, the chickweed, I, it's just totally. So you, you have to decide because pre-emergence kill any kind of seeds germinating. So you cannot put down lawn seed at the same time that you're going after the other weed seeds. It just, it's a waste of your money. So just don't do that. But if you go out and look at your lawn right now and you see things that are not, you know, I mean, the annual bluegrass is going to be like a clump. It's not going to grow like a regular grass, you know, like a bluegrass. So even though it's called annual bluegrass, it's a clump grower and they're going to be just individual sprigs that kind of come up, you know, and locations. I actually still have some in my zoiza. Uh, and so I just kind of leave some of it because I want to see what's going to happen with it. And, you know, when I start to see its seed, then I, I dig it up at that time. But uh, use a pre-emergent as well. Let's see. Joyce lives in Creepcourt. Joyce, how are you today? Hi. Good morning. Hi. Um, I have a huge white pine next to my house, and it, it overlaps uh, the guttering and, and uh, stuff like that. And it's probably twice the size of the house. And so I've had a couple of tree people come out. And uh, first I thought about taking it down. I hate to do that, um, but I've had a couple suggestions. One is to lift the canopy of the tree up to the, like the gutter line, so to speak, at the bo- from the bottom. And then also to trim around, uh, and they also talked about these huge limbs, you know, in the wintertime, if it, we really had a bad ice storm, they, they could break because they're so long. Um, and so then I've also thought about just getting guttering on that side of the house that would, you know, because we've had our gutter clogged from, we have a, co- a covering, but it's got little holes in it, so right. high needles fit in it. So... What would you suggest about this huge pine um, as far as trimming? And um, appreciate your expertise in that regard. Right. Well, limbing the tree up is not going to do anything. That's going to encourage the growth of the branches that are up over your roof to grow even more. So that doesn't make any sense at all. Okay. So, I mean, that just, I mean, I don't understand the logic of that. To me, you know, there is no really gutter cover that's going to be able to eliminate this kind of problem. If this pine, you know how many needles it drops and everything else, plus the pine cones. Now, the guttering cover would certainly keep the pine cones from getting in there. But I would give this some serious consideration to having the tree taken down just to eliminate the problem. Because I, I think everything else that you might try, new guttering and you know, all this, is going to be like a finger in the dike kind of thing that you may have some success with at certain years, but other years you're not going to have success. It sounds yeah. like whoever originally planted this didn't understand mature size of plants, and that yeah. happens so much. It's just I can't believe how much it happens, and it continues to. But yeah. uh, I think you're just, you know, there's no way to prune this that's going to make really all that much difference at all. And I realize pine needles blow. Yes. So, you know, it does, they blow, and, so, and the pine cone scope right away from the tree, too. Absolutely, like 20, 30, 40 feet away from the tree, depending upon how high the tree is. Yeah. So, um, just like the kind of guttering cover, not guttering, but cover. Right. You some of those wouldn't prevent the pine 
needles from going down. Well, some of them, you know, it may. Uh, you know, I just, I'm not convinced that they, you know, it's going to be all that effective. But you can, you know, call a couple different garden companies and just, you know, have them come out and, you know, explain to you. Some of them are almost like solid. So, in other words, the pine needles will be on your roof. Then they're going to wash down and then wash over the gutter covering. But to me, I don't know how that actually works because I don't know how the water from your roof then would get into your gutter to get rid of it there. Does it just come cascading over the side of your house? You know, that doesn't make sense. I wouldn't I wouldn't want that either. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, you just got a really very difficult situation. And if it's a larger tree, it's going to be expensive to get rid of. But, the, I mean, the heartache and the mental effort that you're spending, you know, I don't know if it's worth it or not. So, yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of what you're looking at. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate your time. Sure. Thanks, Joyce. And if anybody has any questions after the break, you can give us a call at th- or calls before the break, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, Mr. What's your name? hasn't been that long. Uh, oh, you were only in here five minutes ago. No, it's a half hour, oh, actually. Okay. And this time I bring good news. The accident northbound 55 at 3200 South Broadway is clear, and that traffic's moving again. They just took the last vehicles away from westbound 64 at McKnight, so that's going to be backed up for a little while, but get better. Uh, the 270 accident southbound at Manchester is off on the right shoulder, and the northbound one is still blocking the right lane to the off-ramp, and... This just in, we're now under a winter weather advisory. What? Until 1 o'clock. Oh. So this is going to stick around a little while longer. Ah. Okay. So you must be smart. You don't even have any notes, or is it on the computer screen? Uh, i just been looking at it for an hour, so it's kind of stuck <laughs> in my head. <laughs> You're very smart. <laughs> well, as long as I fool you. <laughs> and the bosses. Right. Very true. Well, thanks, Brian. And joining us right now is Molly Clifford. Molly Clifford is Antillier, and uh, boy, oh boy, you're working through this whole thing. Uh, actually, there's going to be a British gardening expert and media personality. Alan Gray is going to be coming to St. Louis April 13th and 14th. And Molly, you're kind of coordinating this whole thing, or exactly what is your role in this? Oh, hi. Good morning. Hi. Well, thank you for having me sure. on, especially on this beautiful snowy morning. Yes. It's gorgeous. Um, we are very fortunate at Church of St. Michael and St. George on Wydown in Clayton to be um, hosting Alan Gray, who is a designer coming from England. <clears throat> he uh, runs the Old Vicarage Gardens in East Ruston. He has developed the most beautiful um, arrangement of gardens that are a part now of the Royal Horticultural Society, and he's coming to give an atelier, which is a workshop, here at our church um, at St. Michael and St. George in April on uh, the 13th and 14th. He will be talking about his garden, but he also um, designs the flowers for the nearby cathedral in, uh, in, let's see, I'm reading this. Oh, I'm sorry. In Norwich, Norwich in England. So he has the combination of being a flower designer and a gardener. He uh, also runs a a weekly radio educational program in England, and he's a writer. So he's very experienced. 
And we chose him because our flower guild at St. Michael and St. George is now developing a program where we want to develop the gardens on our property and use the flowers from the gardens on the altar. So the Altar Guild is sponsoring this. It's a two-day workshop, and uh, we think a lot of people would benefit from coming, not only because they would learn about Allen's Gardens in England and what they're about, but because he will show how he arranges the flowers and uses them in church. And the idea would be that people, if if they're interested in flower design or gardening, they would have lots of opportunities to talk to him. But also it gives people an idea of the meaning of flowers for the various events that come up in our lives, and we don't often think about that before those events occur. So this would be an opportunity for people to understand how flowers can look in a church, what kind of beautiful designs they can have, bouquets for weddings or funeral arrangements, large events. He will be designing all of those, keeping in mind that you can find flowers from your garden as well as flowers from a market. Yeah, one question for you. Now, when he comes, how do people even, I mean, it's April 13th and 14th, which is a little while. I mean, it's like basically two months away. Uh, How do they they just show up? I mean, do you have to get tickets or reservations? No, we have, yeah, you have to have reservation, and we have a a website uh, that is the St. Michael and St. George website that if you just go on that Church of St. Michael and St. George, you can just Google it okay. and uh, look under events and then find the Flower Arrangement Atelier. It's A-T-E-L-I-E-R. It's a French word. And again, we were sort of searching for a word that would represent a broader and deeper meaning of flower usage for those special times in our lives. So, um, so the way to get the ticket is to go onto the website. You can uh, sign up online, or you can request an invitation. We have really beautiful, informative invitations that we're sending out. We've just sent a bunch out to flower guild, uh, church, church flower guilds, and to garden clubs, but there may be other people who'd like one. Just call the church or give us your information on the website. Okay, one last thing before I let you go. Oh, mm-hmm. One other thing, too. I see he's been into gardening since he was four years old. So. Oh, yeah. He started with his grandmother. <laughs> Apparently, his grandmother taught him all about gardening, and it's been a lifelong, uh, first it was a fascination, and then he really developed that and is uh, very well known in England. And he's very well known both in the garden community and, interestingly, in the church community because he, he does very beautiful arrangements for the cathedral there. Right. Again, Molly, how do people get tickets? They get tickets by either going on to the website for the Church of St. Michael and St. George in Clayton. Just go on to the website, look under the um, header events, and then under that you'll see the Flower Arrangement Atelier. Great. Well, thanks, Molly. It sounds like a great event. And the gentleman coming all the way from England, this should be really exciting. And especially he'll love St. Louis, you know, because mid-April is going to be a time when the city is absolutely spectacular. It's going to be beautiful. Yes. Yes. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Molly. Thank you so much. Yep. 
And now let's go back to the phones and let's see if we can get to Sean. And Sean lives in Maryland Heights. Sean, how are you? Oh, Shane, sorry. I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning? Very yeah, good. Shane. Sorry. That's okay. I've been called worse. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> hey, I was just calling about the lady uh, before about the, the big white pine in her, uh, next to her house and right. the gutters and all the issues that she was having. Uh, we actually, I live in Maryland Heights and we have, uh, you know, a big pine tree next to our house. We also have the, uh, the gumball trees and, you know, the ones that do the whirly bird. And there is actually a product, uh, out there because we were thinking about cutting all those down. Uh, and we saw this at the home show. It's called Leaf Filter, L-E-A-F-F-I-L-T-E-R, Leaf Filter. It's a vinyl, uh, panel with a, uh, a screen that goes in over it. It's like a, uh, stainless steel screen. And it keeps out the pine needles. It keeps out everything. And this company actually has uh, uh, like a no-claw guarantee. They'll come out and clean it and fix it. And any issues you have for the life of, the, of your house. And they also, uh, I think it's transferable. So if you ever sell your house, it's called Leaf Filter. We just saw it at, my wife and I saw it at the, at the home show. We had it put in last year. Haven't had an issue since. Wow, great. Well, thanks for the insight. I greatly appreciate it. You know, my concern is also she was very much worried about the gutter and all the debris and everything else, but also the tree root system. If the thing is up close to your house, that can you know, cause problems from that you know perspective. But uh, again, what was the name of this gutter cover? It's called Leaf Filter. Leaf F-I-L-T-E-R, Leaf Filter. All right. Thanks, Shane. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. You can find it online and at any of the home shows. And uh, actually, the guy that came out to my house and sold it to me, his name is Jay. And I actually have his card right here. And his number is uh, 314-434-2010 if anybody wants to call him. Because, I mean, it is. It's the best thing I've ever seen. It it absolutely works. Well, great. Thanks, Shane. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We, We will be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got a little less than 10 minutes to go. If you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Going back to that University of Missouri Integrated Pest Management newsletter that they send out routinely, this is a study that wasn't done by the University of Missouri, but I found out this is a study... This is, you know, it was kind of related to some of the things that they do research on. And this one was on spiders. And uh, worldwide, guess how many metric tons of debris, meaning invertebrates, you know, like insects and stuff, that spiders consume every year? 400 million metric tons of bugs. So when you see a spider, don't panic. In this, you know, in this newsletter, they showed, you know, ones that are local spiders, you know, the brown recluse and the, the black lady, black widow and all this other stuff. And then some other ones, daddy long legs, daddy long legs, they don't, they can't bite or do anything. But it was just interesting that they kind of summarized it on how important spiders are really for the environment. But 400 million metric tons of bugs, 90% of them, you know, consumed by spiders. Amazing. Althea from Jennings, how are you today? Hi. Hi. Yes, I'm calling. Could you tell me how to uh, root a sweet potato plant? 
I mean, a sweet potato. So you're trying to root regular sweet potatoes, or you're trying to just grow the ornamental-type sweet potatoes? The ornament, well, it's a regular sweet potato, but I'm just using it for, for show. Leaves are beautiful. Well, there are some that have very colorful leaves and everything else. You can buy those at the garden center. But what you can do with this one is, I mean, even as kids, this is what we did. We stuck them in, you know, more or less mason jars of water. We had toothpicks so they wouldn't get all the way down in there. Just let the thing really, you know, get a bunch of roots going. And as soon as you start to see a whole lot of roots, then you can take it outside and put it in a pot or put it in the ground. Does it take to root? It's going to take a little while. You're going to be, you know, it's going to be a little bit frustrating, you know, but ultimately it's going to come around. Or you can go to your garden center. I don't know which garden center you go to, but, uh, and see if they would have some, you know, because, I mean, there are places, garden centers that sell seed potatoes, and they may sell seed, in other words, that's starting potatoes. And so they may have some starting sweet potatoes, too. But there are the ornamental sweet potatoes that have chartreuse-colored leaves, that have maroon-colored leaves. But if you just want to grow one for green leaves, then I would say just root it in a jar of water. Okay, well, it's been in there for two weeks. And no roots yet? No. Is it in a sunny window? It's, um, I have, now, I didn't cut it. Are you supposed to cut it in half? No, you don't need to do that. So just, you know, make sure that the skinniest point is down in the water. You know, it's got about three or four inches upcoming, but it could take, you know, I mean, the water temperature, that's why I'm saying is in a sunny window, that's going to, you know, help trigger some of the root growth. And depending upon how old this one is and everything else, it may not. I mean, there's been times I remember just doing this as a kid for fun, and there was some sweet potatoes that never produced any roots at all. Other ones, you know, did pretty well. But in two weeks, I wouldn't expect to see a whole lot, to be honest. Okay, then. Well, I'll just keep watching for the roots. Right. And it's, they're going to be really thin, you know, like uh, almost like th- white threads. All so right. If, thank you. Yep. Thanks, Althea. Let's go now to Judy in Warson Woods. Hi, Judy. Hi, Mike. Hi. Love, love your show. Love the information you give. It's very useful. <laughs> I have two questions. Um, one about, you were talking about pH in uh, the, the lawns and uh, yards. What about uh, spreading ashes in yards and, um, and beds? Is that a good thing or not? It's not necessarily all that good. Unless you've had a soil test done and you know that you, ash, first of all, you don't put a whole lot of ash. You just right. put a light sprinkling on it. But ashes are basically calcium, they're you know, potash or potassium, and phosphorus. If your soil already has a lot of those, those things in it, you, I mean, putting the ashes down is not going to be to the advantage of your plant material, and it may be to the disadvantage of your plant material. So a lot of soil tests are indicating there could be extravagant levels of phosphorus and potassium, and that actually dehydrates root systems and causes more problems than good. So just routinely taking ashes out is not going to do anything at all. And ashes, for the most part, only add chemistry to your soil. They don't add any kind of structural type, you know, qualities at all, like a compost or something like that. So I just be a little, you know, somewhat concerned about just spreading ashes for the sake of ashes. Right. I just, a few from the fireplace thought maybe that would be a good thing, but. All right. The uh, second question is about perennials, um, planting uh, for beds that maybe get only about two hours of sun. What are some good choices? Uh, any of the ferns, for the most part. My favorite fern happens to be the Japanese painted fern because it has silver fronds. 
obviously the yeah. hostas. You have a lot of, I mean, so probably those two would be the ones that I would, you know, consider most on more or less the top of the list. There's other ones, you know, perennial-wise. Columbine can take the shade circumstance. There's trilliums. There's other ones as well. But for the most part, the you know, in the shade situation, you're really looking at more foliage than you're looking at flowers. There's, you know, a plant called toad flax, tricertus, which blooms later on. It has kind of a wild look to it. So just look at uh, tricertus, T-R-I-C-Y-R-T-I-S, and, you know, look at it online and just kind of check it out. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Sure. Now let's stay close by and go into Glendale, and that's where Sally lives. Hi, Sally. Good morning. Hi. My Japanese maple that I wanted to the leaves to go in front of my house are now in front of my roof. <laughs> so in you other words, know, I guess. You, got a big, you got a variety that got big. Yes, sir. So. Can we prune all the way back? Uh, don't prune it back all the way to the trunk. No, definitely don't do that. But you can c- certainly cut it back so you can get it below, let's say, the eave or the drip line of your, you know, more or less your gutters or your house or whatever. But, yeah, it can be pruned. Uh, with the maples, I prefer to prune them in the summertime versus the wintertime. They're, even with the Japanese maple, there seems to be, I mean, it's not harmful or anything else. There's just a lot of sap flow. So that would be my concern. But, yeah, it can be pruned. Okay, if we... If we decide to take it out altogether, is that difficult? Uh, it depends upon how big the trunk is. So if the, you know if it's going up over your gutters, then it's probably a fairly big trunk. So it's not going to be a real easy job. I won't fool you. So you're going to have to like dig the soil away, cut the root systems, and then you know finally let's say move it around until you can finally get it so it's going to come free. But it's no, it's not an easy job by any means. Real quick, I'm deciding to raise the beds around my tree, build a wall up so there's a little definition. Uh, I wouldn't pile any kind of soil, any kind of anything up on the bark. You could cause some major problems to the bark. So, I mean, it sounds nice that you want to have a raised bed or, you know, let's say an edger or whatever around it, but just don't pile anything up on bark because bark, you know, it's exposed to sunlight and air and everything else because it needs to be. If you start covering that up, you could have some rot problems. You could have other problems as well. So just watch out about doing that. Well, this was around my pin oak. Okay, that's fine. It's still going to, I mean, bark is bark. It doesn't matter. So, okay, but my question was, the hostas are there. If we decide to raise the bed, how do we take out the hostas? Well, you can just dig them up. Dig them up and put them in pots. But again, I would just be cautious about raising the bed. You can put them back in there if you want to, and maybe it'll be okay. Maybe, it'll be, But, I, you know, the tree is used to having its bark exposed, and you start piling soil or whatever you choose up against it, it may, you know, it may cause, you know, it's not going to be immediate by any means, but just watch out about doing that. So thanks, Sally. And Ada, I don't think we can get you today because we're basically out of time. So it looks like the snow has stopped, even though Mr. Kelly said there was a winter advisory for a few more minutes. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. A proud partner of the 2018 100th PGA Championship at Bell Reef Country Club. KMOX, KMOX HD, St. Louis. KZK HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.